So in Advent, when I, Advent was something I was not familiar with before I came to Kuwait. Um, my parents were uh, drug-using hippies, and they became Christians on the beach in California. And they did not know anything about tradition. They were, uh, God saved them through a church, a family church called Calvary Chapel, which is uh, very progressive. It, it was targeting um, surfers and beach bums, which my parents were. So throughout my growing up, I didn't know anything about Advent um, until, I, until I came here. But because we're an international church, we serve people from many different backgrounds, many different nations, many different denominations. Um, I think this is a great way to re reflect and remember and look back to Christmas. You know, this is a tradition that has, has, is as old as the fourth century. And Evan, as Emil said, is looking back, right? So that the candles of, of love, hope, peace, and joy, right? We look back to what that's what Jesus brought when he came as a baby, and it's also looking forward to his second coming, his second advent, when we will, when we will, all those things will be fully developed, right? One day he'll come back, and then the whole earth will be filled with hope and joy and love and peace. So we are talking about the candle of joy, which is the pink candle. It's also called the shepherd's candle because it's the passage is from the, the passage where uh, the shepherds meet the angels. So we're going to read that here. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke. Luke 2. We'll do 8 through 15, and we'll also do verse 20. And in the same reason there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And then verse 20, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. So, the good news of great joy. I have three points for this message. The first point is that God made us for joy. Right? When you think of joy, what is it? Right? I think of like happiness. I think of fun. I think of pleasure. Um, I think of Times of joy is like when, when Silas is smiling at me and saying, hi, Daddy, in the mornings. Um, when I see Ellie do well in school, I'm so happy, filled with joy. Um, when I spend time with my wife, uh, when I'm with people, I'm a people person, so when I'm with people, I feel filled with joy. Um, even when I, as I teach and as I work, when my students occasionally understand what I'm saying and 
do the right things. I'm filled with happiness and joy. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big traveler. I love traveling the world. I haven't done that as much since I've had kids. But I, whenever I get on that plane, I love it. I'm filled with pleasure and happiness when I'm going somewhere new or somewhere exciting. Um, and even as a Christian, when I pray with somebody and walk with people in their walk with Jesus, that also brings me pleasure and joy. And I'm sure you have those too. You have things in your life that, that bring you joy and pleasure, and I'm sure you're thinking of them right now. And we also know that God made us for joy because joy has an opposite feeling, which is fear and despair. Right? We have those emotions too. Those are, those are negative emotions. And if you think of these shepherds, they probably had a lot of these emotions. Because these are not where shepherds, we kind of romanticize the idea of shepherds in the Bible. Oh, shepherds. You know, they're, they're like, just like, you know, Jesus is a shepherd. But shepherds in that time, those are insignificant, those are marginalized. It was not a pleasant job. Like, you were lonely. Like, they were, they were, doing, they were doing the night shifts, basically, right? So they were at night. Right, when everyone else went home with their families, they were alone with their sheep at night, making sure they were getting fed and staying safe. So this is a lonely, low-paying, people did not like hanging out with shepherds, nomadic, semi-nomadic lifestyles, they have to go where the sheep go. So they probably felt a lot of this, kind of pretty lonely existence, these shepherds. Um, and then we also know that God made us for joy because they felt fear. Right? When that angel showed, they were in terror. Right? If somebody should if an angel showed to me at my job, I would probably be on the face, my face would be on the ground. That would be a terrifying thing. I would think it would be amazing, and it, maybe it would be amazing. But they said the, the glory of God, right? You know, the also the Shekinah glory, like when the when the Moses, uh, God spoke to Moses from the burning bush, going the temple filled with smoke. When it was erected. Like, this is the glory of God, and it was terrifying for them. And that's why the first thing the angel says is, Fear not. I mean, they knew this would be a scary thing for them. He says, Don't fear. This is a time of joy. This is a, this is a joyful thing, and God made us this way. He says, Don't have fear, have joy. And God made our bodies and our minds designed to enjoy things, to have joy. You know, God made our brains to have uh, dopamine, which is our brain reward system. Serotonin gives us satisfaction and happiness. Oxytocin is something when we feel love and connection. And endorphins when you do things like laugh or exercise. So God made us this way. And sometimes as Christians, we're not very good at this. As Christians, we can, be, we can take ourselves way too seriously. Now, I take, I take God seriously. I take the Bible, I take Jesus seriously, but I try not at times to take myself too seriously, right? Um, and we, we sometimes take things way too seriously. We sometimes want to reject God's gifts. And I think that can, that can be a problem when we're trying to be compelling to the world. If we look like miserable people, uh, I think that's hard. To, it's hard to make a case that other people are like, oh, I want that, right? So if you are not fun and you're not happy and you're not have any joy in your life, that is hard to do. And I think as Christians, we should be the most happy people on the planet. Now, I'm not talking about like we should be sinning. We shouldn't be. Because God's, God's plan for us is to be holy as well. But there are plenty of legitimate, enjoyable things that God's given us. Laughter, relationships, 
work, food, exercise, travel, and a million other things that are legitimate ways that God has intended for us to be happy and joyful people. Right? I mean, life is hard enough, but we shouldn't make it harder, right? Life has challenges and difficulties. So when there's an opportunity to be joyful, we should take them, right? I believe, and I believe that Jesus had mirth. He was happy, you know? And yes, he was very serious, and the Bible tells about the most serious things. But that's not all Jesus was, right? Jesus spent three years with his disciples, right? These were his best friends walking around throughout uh, hiking and camping, right? So I'm sure there was fun and there were jokes being told and lessons being learned. I'm sure it was a fun time, right? His first miracle was turning water into wine. So that means that Jesus approved of and went to pardons, right? He had fun. Jesus was not some super serious, like some of the old movies about Jesus, like he would just talk in a British accent and be so passive and serious about everything. But I don't think that's all Jesus. When Jesus was happy, he had joy in his life. So what this process means, we should also enjoy life as much as we can, right? We need to slow down sometimes to do that. I think we get so busy with our agenda, especially this season in Christmas, right? We become distracted. Right? We just kind of go through the motion. We got a million things to do. We don't stop to enjoy life, to enjoy things. Right? We need to be mindful. Maybe create joyful experiences. Make things that are fun for other people. Make things that are fun for ourselves. As Christians, that, I think that's an important thing to do and to be. So, God made us to, intended us for joy. However, my second point is that this life cannot bring lasting joy, right? Earth's joy cannot satisfy, because the good news, he didn't say, you know, fear not, go back to enjoying your dirty sheep, right? That was not the joy, this, this life only. Because we know that Jesus said in his gospel, in, in the gospel of Matthew, that his name was Jesus, meaning he will save his people from their sins, Right? So if you need saved, if you need to be saved, that means you are lacking something. You are lacking joy, you're lacking happiness. Right? I went to, years ago, I went to Hawaii and I went to a conference for uh, English as a professor at my university and it was great because I wanted to also snorkel and snorkeling was great. One time I went out by myself, my friend who was with me did not come. And I found myself in a situation where I was swimming back to the shore, but I was still being pulled out to sea. Um, I was caught in a rip current. I didn't understand that at the time. And my brain was filled with panic and terror because the harder I swam, it was making no difference. And I was getting exhausted. And what I did, I basically just cried out for help. And thankfully, some paddleboarder came over and rescued me and helped me get onto the paddleboard and brought me back to the land. So I thought I was going to die. Like, I probably could have died, but it was like, it was an open ocean. Um, so in that moment, there's no joy, right? When I needed to be saved, I was filled with terror and fear, right? Like those shepherds when they saw the angel. So if you need to be saved, that means there's no joy. And also the joys in this life have become prisons for us, 
right? The legitimate pleasure of food turns into addiction, gluttony, eating disorders. Work for satisfaction turns people into lovers of money and become workaholics and neglect other things in their lives. Relationships and bonding turns to codependency, abuse, using people. Physical intimacy has been warped into adultery, pornography, and immorality. Right, having a drink turns into drunkenness, alcoholism, and addiction. Right, so the joys that God made for us, they become prisons of our own making. Right, and, and the Bible uses this terminology. It doesn't use the word addiction, but it uses the, the term slavery. Right, Jesus says everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Right, it's not just—it's not just a lack of education that they were—they were stupid back then. We're smart now. No, it's been the same thing since the beginning of time. Right, we have the same issues and the same problems. Our technology has developed, but our basic human issues have not. Right, we are broken. We're broken people. But that's not how God made us. God made us perfect. Right? God made us perfect. It says in the Garden of Eden in Genesis that God saw everything that he had made, behold, it was very good. It was very good. Everything God made was good. So God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. Right? The relationship between Adam and Eve was perfect, unstained. The environment, right? The Garden of Eden produced fruit naturally and easily. However, because of sin, we disobeyed God. God told us not to eat from the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, and we did. And that destroyed all those relationships, right? There's a broken relationship with God. God no longer walked with Adam. The relationships, it says, you know, the, 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 the woman would, would try to take over the man, there would be conflict in that marriage. The ground would be cursed. It said, by the sweat of your brow, you will have to work until you turn back into dust. Right? Women with childbirth, painful, and all the fear that comes with that, and, and miscarriages, and stillborns, and, and imperfections, that's all included in that curse. And death and decay are the whole creation. Right? It says the whole creation has been enslaved to bondage to decay in Romans. So we see sin spreading throughout the world very quickly. It turns into murder of Cain and Abel. There's suffering. All the good things that God intended for us become abused. They turn into evil. And then we all die, right? We all die. You, when, you, when you do this, you will die. And we don't die instantly, physically. Our relationship with God is, is killed instantly, and if we die unrepentant, we will go to hell and spend eternity without God forever. So God made us for joy, but it has been dwarfed and distorted and destroyed by sin. Right? It's, it's, joy is mixed in this life with sorrow. If you've lived long enough, you know this. Right? You don't need, you, I don't need to prove this to you, but you know that sorrow is mixed with joy in our lives now. With joy comes pain. And it's not lasting. So God made us for joy, but the pleasure and joy in this life has been mutilated by sin. And my final point is that only Jesus can bring lasting and eternal joy. Right? The angel says, 
good news of great joy. And this is not just for the shepherds only, but for all the people, all God's people, right? It is uh, Christ the Lord has come, right? And Christ is, a, is, the, is the Greek word for the Jewish word Messiah, which means anointed one, or coming king, right? He says the Lord. So he, he's very clear about who's coming, who's bringing this joy. It's Jesus, right? They've been looking for this for centuries. These people were oppressed. They were downtrodden. They felt like God had, had not listened or spoken to them. So the angels, they decide, okay, we've got to find Jesus. And what happens, though, is that after the, the angel's done talking, you see an army of angels. You see an army of angels, right? The multitude of the heavenly host. This was probably dumbfounded. Like, they always probably blew their minds, right? You kind of see the, the curtain pulled back, right, into the spiritual reality. The reality we see is, is physical, mostly, right? But you see them pulling back a glimpse into, oh, there's a spiritual reality that's very real and glorious and amazing, and they're singing to God, right? This is an intense moment. And of course they decide, well, we should we should go do this, right? I mean, I think it's pretty it's almost humorous, like we should go see what the Lord said. Yeah, good idea. Always listen to God. So they they, they return back, they they see the, the baby Jesus, um, Mary treasures the things up in her heart, and they go back and they're also full of joy. They're praising God, right? They're excited, they're like, This is great. Why is it so great? It's just a baby. Well, it he reverses the curse that God gave to humans because of our sin. He reverses the curse, right? Sin ruined everything, everything that we've done. We've, we've ruined our lives and this world through sin. We have enemy, enmity with God, with the world, with each other. Relationships are broken, right? With relationship with the environment is broken. Things decay are destroyed. And with God destroyed. But Jesus saves us. So God came down in human flesh as the baby Jesus, as we see in the story of Luke 2. But he also grew up, he lived a human life, he was with us, he was among us. But he also didn't sin, he never did anything wrong in his whole life. So he had every right to go back to God perfectly. However, he cho chose not to. He chose to substitute himself for us, right? I'm a teacher. If I need somebody to cover me, I have to get a substitute because the classes have to go on. So Jesus was a substitute for us because we deserve to die and go to hell. But Jesus became that substitute. He bore our sins, bore all the wrong things we've ever done. Jesus took that on himself. So he not only died a torturous physical death on a cross, but he also received spiritual death and wrath of God for millions of people just kind of funneled in this laser beam of, of agony onto Jesus. So Jesus was punished for us, and he died that way. However, Jesus rose from death. Death, death could not keep him. And it also showed that God's sacrifice was accepted. It was an accept, acceptable sacrifice. 
And so believers now, if you believe that Jesus died for your sins, you are no longer under the curse of sin. Right? The curse that God gave for sin, for death, spiritual death, that's gone. And we can now have eternal life as believers. We can, when we die, we will spend eternity with God, enjoying everything. We will have joy forever and ever. Not only that, but he makes us, we are no longer slaves of sin, right? We can become free from false worship, right? All the addictions that come and the compulsions and the twisting of joys, we can begin to put them in their proper place, right? Like I said, things can't are to be enjoyed by God if we don't abuse them, if we don't use them, if we don't worship them. And we, if we believe in Jesus, Jesus can help us put them in their proper place. Because we all worship, right? It says who or what we worship. Everyone worships something. You don't have to be a believer or an unbeliever. We all worship, right? Sometimes it's a different God. Sometimes it's ourselves. Sometimes it's often pleasure, right? Comfort. Experiences, money, relationships, sex. All those things can become, become our gods. But if we worship Jesus, Jesus says we can now understand these are the things, the good things like our gifts, right? And Jesus is the giver. He's the one we worship, and that puts him in the proper place. So Jesus restores our relationship with God because there's spiritual joy, right? You know, we're not just living for our bodies and our minds, but we have a spirit, right? The prayer, you know, we pray. We read the word, we sing, we fellowship. There is a real joy and satisfaction that comes spiritually from doing these things if you believe in him. Because that's what's missing in our lives if we're not a Christian. That's why people come to Jesus. Because there's people, most people in the world know there's something missing in their lives. So there is spiritual joy that you can satisfactorily even have from knowing Jesus and spending time with him. It's a relationship. And additionally, Jesus can bring re restoration with other people. We can learn to love. God can empower us to love like Jesus loved. So that can heal marriages. It can heal families that are broken. It can, it can make the workplace with colleagues and bosses holy and good and joyful. Church, it can bring healing and joy to the church. Right? Before we're Christians, it says, Paul says that we were hated by others and hating one another in Titus. Right? That's where we were before we were Christians, but now we can restore these relationships. We also have a restoration of the earth, right? The work can be redeemed. It is sort of our brows, so we can be redeemed and be used for good. Right? We can protect and serve God's creation. And help it give healing. So this makes us excited, right, ladies and gentlemen, right? We should praise God like these angels and shepherds. And so if you are not a Christian, you need to become one. You need to believe. This is your only hope or true lasting joy. And if you are a Christian, you need to remind yourself, right? You need carbon materialism of, of the season. Right? Even in Kuwait, Christmas is becoming more popular, it's becoming more material. 
not like it is in the U.S. and Europe, but it is still becoming that way. We can enjoy the things. This is what Advent is for, is reflecting on these things. Right? We can enjoy the good things in life, but we need to have perspective. We need to think about the true meaning of Christmas. It's about Jesus and what he did for us and what he came for. And it's also looking forward in anticipation to him coming back for his return. Right? This is a real joy. When he comes back, he's going to wipe out all evil and there will be no more issues with our lives. We'll be happy forever and we can enjoy all the things that God planned for us from the beginning. It's not going to be little babies worshiping on a cloud. No, we're going to be adults, but loving Jesus forever and having fun and growing and traveling and learning without pain, without sorrow, without addiction. So we need to reflect and meditate on this. And that's really hard because this is a busy time right now. People are probably the busiest they ever are during Christmas because, you know, we have year-end projects at work. We have teachers reading exams and essays. We have kids having celebrations and parties. Um, things that require food prep, getting gifts, decorating the house and the tree, buying parent presents for the family, Christmas parties, and many, many things. Right? It's a super busy time so we can totally blow past the true, true meaning of Christmas. But we have to try to find a way to carve out some time in the morning and in the evening. Or in the evening to reflect on this. You know, there are many great resources. If you look at the Bible app, you just type in Advents, there's many, there's like five minute devotions, a little prayer, a couple scriptures, and you can pray and read it. You can just read the Bible, read the gospel stories, right? During Christmas time. And I can I can give more resources if people are interested. There's lots of resources out there just to can reconnect with God during this time. Don't let it go past you. So as we conclude, we need to look back at what happened when Jesus came to earth nearly 2,000 years ago. We remember how he began a kingdom that would bring joy to many millions and billions of people through his spiritual sacrifice. And he restores our relationship with God. And how we also get to look forward with joy to anticipation of his second coming where God will fully and finally and completely restore our relationship with himself, with each other and the world. On that day, everyone who belongs to Jesus will be ushered into a new heaven and earth where there is only joy, where there is only celebration and happiness and pleasure that we can barely comprehend. His second coming will be full joy to all his people forever. So as we wait for a second advent, let's enjoy the gifts that God intended us. Let's be people who are enjoyable and bring joy to others. Let's remember to keep the gifts that God gave us in their proper place. And let's reflect and rejoice in the spiritual joys that only Jesus can give. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time of joy. Good news and great joy for all the people. God, I pray that people would leave this place filled with joy, filled with happiness, and this would be a season of reflection and worship of you, Jesus. We ask for these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.